you can see there's a rise, there's an enormous amount of people who are moving into consulting. So, you know, working on specific projects with different organizations, moving into fractional roles where they're like a part, like almost like a part-time embedded with an organization, but it's not a, not necessarily a full-time role and it allows them to, you know, the freedom to do whatever they want with the extra time they have, you know, or even advisory roles and things like that. And I think, I think what, what I see probably happening is when, you know, things go up and down, that's just physics. When things go back up and these organizations want these, these positions back, they're going to probably going to be faced with a workforce that is so used to like dictating what they, you know, what their terms are, what their hours are and having that flexibility that they want to create their lives. It's going to really, I think, change the way of work. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Grober, president of Blast Media, and I will be both your host and your bartender today. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm sitting down with Narosha Methananda, who is a seasoned SaaS marketer. She has grown several SaaS companies, and like many of you, she currently finds herself in transition. She's on the bench, and guess what? Guys, it's getting to be a pretty crowded bench out there. I thought it was important to sit down with Narosha. I've known her for several years. She was a former Blast Media client. She has learned a lot during this time in transition while she's looking for her next opportunity. And so just doing some really interesting things to change her mindset and also to position herself and really live her best life in her next role. So we talk through the things that she's doing now, which are very interesting and advice that she has for those of you that find yourselves in this place in transition. So I call this conversation CMOs in transition with my friend Narosha. Narosha, welcome to SAS Half Full. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I have my cocktail ready. <laughs> but thank you for participating. There are many times that I host this podcast and I'm drinking alone. Oh. And it's at all hours of the day. But uh, there's been one time in three years of recording this podcast that I did not have a drink. And it was when I was uh, homesick with COVID and I just couldn't yeah. muster up the energy to do it. I showed up for the podcast, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, but outside of that, I always do. I am drinking a Truly Lime, which oh. is one of my favorite uh, flavors of Truly. Uh, what did we send you? What cocktail kit did you choose? You, I chose the El Pepino. Well, I am pumped that you're joining me today. We have known each other for quite some time. We had the honor of working with you as our client contact at your last role. Uh, you and I have had a chance to meet in person. It was at B2BMX not last year, maybe the year before. Um, and we kept in contact. And uh, luckily for us, we formed a great relationship between our agency, Blast Media, and you. Yep. And you are currently a SaaS CMO in transition or currently on the bench, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and so we wanted to have you on today to just really talk about that. Awesome. Uh, there are so many CMOs in transition right now. Uh, the bench is probably getting very crowded. I'm hearing it's tough to get off the bench and get on the right team. So this conversation has a ton of relevance. And I, we're going to dive into a couple different things today. One is what what even opportunities are there for CMOs in transition? Uh, because there are a lot of different, more part-time contractor, all types of things. Roles. Yeah. Um, Want to get your opinion on, on those who are in transition, what y'all even should be doing to uh, help position yourself for the next great opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and then just the psychology of it all, Narosha. 
you guys are just worn the fuck down right now. And I understand <laughs> it. I get it. I do. I get it. Yeah. Um, so excited to do that. But before we get into this conversation, can you just give us a quick background of how you got into the world of SaaS marketing, where that journey started and uh, where you think it's headed? Yeah. So I started my SaaS SaaS marketing career at a company called Heatwise. So they were a competitive intelligence company and I've sort of gone through legal, uh, retail, and then landed at Heatwise as uh, the marketing coordinator there. And that's where I got my start. I did everything. And this is what I've sort of done with my career as well. I I like to dip across marketing and, and dip in and dip out and learn a lot of different things. So sort of continued that uh, I dipped into like a journalist and journalism background with a company that, that had a publication that wrote about e-commerce. I went that from there to PwC uh, to head up across their, their newly formed digital services. And this, the, you know, the, the Hitwise was a, a SaaS platform, but then in between I've moved. And then from, from PwC, I came to the US and I started with Bombora. So for those who don't know Bombora, it's a uh, intent data solution essentially, and I started with them as uh, their employee number twenty, and I was there for about five and a half years. Built up the brand, the team, did a lot of different things in between, uh, and then landed at Influi Two as their VP of marketing, so person-based advertising platform. Sorry, it's in SaaS as well. Um, and again, similar to where Bombora was at in their journey, weren't very well known in the market. It was a niche niche category for SaaS. Um, so really building up the brand, building up the understanding of the product and really elevating them in the in the SaaS ecosystem. So that's sort of been my my journey, journey into SaaS. I've always really enjoyed technology. I think using it for marketing. Is that's something that I I get joy from being able to use it myself and also see others succeed with it. And I I really enjoy it. I think it's super interesting the way that the rate at which it moves at and the way that and the things that can be done with these different solutions. So, you know, and what what tougher audience do you have than marketers? (laughs) Absolutely. And you are currently uh, on the bench. You are looking for an opportunity and you have been able to find a couple different communities of high level marketers that are also in transition. What have you learned since you have been in this period? Yeah, it's been an interesting journey for me because this is uh, really the first time in my career that I have had uh, this experience where, you know, I, uh, it wasn't a choice in terms of leaving an organization their economic circumstances and everyone is sort of in that position. So a couple of things that I, I've sort of been going through, you know, psychologically, it's been a lot dealing with that and going through that understanding and transition and sort of processing. Um, but, you know, a, a couple of things that I've kind of, I thought to myself, what is it that I need to invest in and what do I need to do? One of them has been learning. So really, it's something that I think when you're at a certain level, at a VP level, at a CMO level, it, you don't necessarily have the luxury of learning and deep diving into, into different things. So that's something that I've really invested in. So I, I joined Pavilion, which is a, a community organization. They do a lot of learning. I've done their CRO school, so their chief revenue officer school, which was, I think, from a marketing 
executive perspective, you should definitely do that. Definitely do that. Mm -hmm. I know my foundational belief is that either the CMO will report into the CRO um, and or that role will transition into a CRO role. So from my perspective, I was like, okay, I want to get on the front foot and understand what this role is, what they do, what their responsibilities are, and have a really deep understanding so that when I can, I can take and link it back to my marketing from that perspective. I'm currently doing the Chief Customer Officer course as well. So I'm, I'm diving into a lot of learning. I've been doing a lot of experimentation with AI as well. I think everyone's like, you know, on that train. So that's, that, those are a couple of the things that, that I've been doing from a learning perspective. You know, the other thing I did was I engaged an executive coach because, you know, as I mentioned, having, going through this experience for the, really the first time in my career, it's a lot, it's a lot to sort of process. And as you know, we've, we've gone through, I think, one thing after another, after another, after another, after another, and it, it has a psychological impact. And so the reason I opted to deal with, like to, to work with a executive coach was thought, I have this opportunity to, to really think about and be mindful of what it is that I'm doing and my skills, what I enjoy, what I don't enjoy, and really deep dive into that. And so I work with someone to be able to work through what my work history has been, what things I'm good at, what I'm not great at, and just identifying, almost demystifying a little bit of what I have in my head versus what I've done. Because you, when you're running so fast, you kind of you're like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, I've done this now. What's next? I've done this now. What's next? <laughs> it, it can all seem to be a bit of a jumble. And then when you're faced with something that like hits your ego, which it does, uh, yeah. right? You, you, <laughs> you're sitting there like, uh, what, what did I do? What have I done? And it, so that, that's something that I did as well. And then finally, the last thing I did was work with you and the team uh, at last to be able to work on my personal brand and my PR. That was something that I, Something I've always been conscious of, probably in the last three to four years for me, and it's something that I found I found value in. So I, you know, I do a lot of writing when time permits, um, but that's something I've really been getting back to and focusing on, and it's been really uh, liberating. It's been very liberating to write for myself. I don't have to write for anyone else, not even ghostwriting, but I mean even my voice uh, and what I think and what I represent and, you know, what the way I approach things. Not that I, sometimes you have, when you're attached to a brand, you have to write under their lens. So this, this has been under my lens and it's something that has given me a lot of meaning and fulfillment as well. So those are a couple of things that, you know, that I've been doing to be able to, to, I guess, help, help forward or move myself through this, this sort of period of time are working on various things and opportunities to be able to, you know, get back into the swing of things, I guess, from that perspective. There were three things there and I want to underscore all three of them again. One is learn to learn again. And that one resonates with me. Uh, you get to a certain level where if you're not doing, you feel like you're not doing enough. Yeah. And so, I, you know, i I have found myself blocking out time on my calendar that just says read or think because you, you know, you get caught up in the day to day and you're yeah. putting out the, you know, the biggest fire. 
And so that one, I completely can resonate with that. The second one is you said you invested in an executive coach to help with head trash and just to help process and maybe it sounds like validate what you're feeling and what you're experiencing. And then three, investing in personal brand. And there's there's things to unpack in each of these. Yeah. I do want to go back on the executive coaching uh, point. You said that when your ego gets checked. Uh, can you tell us the time when your ego took a hit? If you're comfortable sharing maybe what that experience was and how you rebounded from it. The most recent thing that comes to mind is 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 my departure from Influ2, in all honesty. Um, from that perspective, you know, I'd been running hard, working hard, building a team, neglecting a lot of myself. And, you know, when you, when you're sort of, you have to go through that process of, you know, being checked, it wasn't necessarily a straight path to the end. It's, it's really challenging. And it's, it's not only challenging because you're going through it personally, you have to also differently, you, you, you're the leader and you have to be there for your team. Bouncing back to me was like, okay, <laughs> having having a debrief and being able to go work through things and then having to kind of be there for my team and help them work through what it is that they needed to work through. And I think that's, that's what, what that sort of looked like to me um, in a major way. You know, there are other things that, that don't necessarily, you know, when you, when you go through projects and you have run-ins with people or you you don't see eye to eye necessarily or whatever it is. And you, I think one thing is important that is important is to re- stop and recognize it's your ego as well. I think that's, that's the key thing to being able to <laughs> like, Hey, actually I feel something and this is how I'm feeling. And I'm feeling it because of that. And it's I'm not like, are you feeling it because of some rational thing or is it because it's something in here that you're creating yourself you know oh I'm not worth this or I or they think this about me or whatever it is so yeah that that's that's probably the best way that I, I can put it and I've, I've sort of used that technique over a number of different things but that's probably the most relevant example at the moment thank you for sharing that I appreciate it and then there has been a just astronomical rise in fractional CMO work but also what's out there is advising, consulting, talk through what you're seeing out there and just in terms of of hiring trends and even an, an appetite for VPs of marketing or CMOs to even take full-time roles again. What are you yeah. seeing? Yeah, I mean, I think what I'm seeing is there there are still roles being advertised. That's that's no doubt. There's a great pool of people who are in market right now. Like I think companies would love to hire a manager to do a CMO role. I think that's very much the trend at the moment across the board where I've seen. Like I'll look at job description and they will have massive, massive responsibilities um, for, the, for the level at which they're advertised at or at, for the, the pay at which they're advertised at. Um, so there's, there's that. There's, from a company perspective, I, I think that's that's sort of what's happening, and it makes sense, right? Because if you're in a tough position financially, you still you still need the experience, you still need um, the expertise, and to be and the subject matter expert the expertise, especially to like move forward with. But you, you know, you have you have to kind of, you kind of thinking about, okay, can we look at that next level down and someone who's looking to move up, which is great, 
But sometimes it's also about the experience that you need. On the other side of it, you've got all these people, as you mentioned, that are on the bend. And I think, you know, there's well, going to see the rise of the rise of the consultant, the rise of the fraction of the fractional role. You know, I, I think it's really interesting because I've, I've looked at stuff, you know, in previous roles, the way of working and how technology will impact our way of working and the way we communicate with one another. I, I think this is a tipping point for our way of working and this, like the psychology of how we think about work. Because if you think about like COVID and the impact it had on us on uh, challenging our mortality, you know, we, we, we kind of don't think that. <laughs> We're you're not sitting here thinking, oh, I'm going to die one day. It's not really something that is in the forefront of, our, of your mind. So when, when, that, when your mortality starts to be presented, do you start to question, okay, you know, what is it I'm doing? Am I fulfilled? Is this what I want to be doing? Is it giving me what I, what I want? Do I have enough time to spend on the things I need to do for myself, et cetera, et cetera? So there's that, there's that one thing. But then, you know, you look at like what's been happening, especially in tech at the minute with all the layoffs and things like that. You have so many people who have been in the, in roles, some for, I don't know, 20, 20, 15, 20 years with an organization. And then like that, they're gone. So, you know, I think they're starting to realize the, the value and all these companies sort of purport to be our people are, uh, asset and so on and so forth. But when you treat people like that, it's clear they're not your asset, one, and especially in the way that you do it. And then two, it also makes them sort of think about, okay, what, you know, what is it that I want and what is it the life, the lifestyle that I want? And you can see there's a rise, there's an enormous amount of people who are moving into consulting. So you know, working on specific projects with different organizations, moving into fractional roles where they're like a part, like almost like a part-time embedded with an organization, but it's not a, not necessarily a full-time role and it allows them to, you know, the freedom to do whatever they want with the extra time they have, you know, or even advisory roles and things like that. And I think, I think what, what I see probably happening is when, you know, things go up and down, that's just physics. When things go back up and these organizations want these these positions back they're going to probably going to be faced with a workforce that is so used to like dictating what they, you know what their terms are what their hours are and having the flexibility that they want to create their lives it's going to really i think change the way of work i'm i'm really curious to see what it looks like but i think that's that's where i sort of see it, see it heading what are you seeing what are your thoughts yeah, it's been tough out there. I mean, I mean, really, my heart goes out to to SaaS founders and SaaS marketers. We all, you know, fought through the craziness of COVID, and then it was this you know, honeymoon period of just you know sky high valuations and money pouring in, rapid hiring, and right, and then slam the recession, and then slam, you know, you'll have the whole SVB debacle, and it's like I, if I can't, I can't trust my employer, I can't even trust my bank, I who can I trust? I just right. got laid off after 15 years. Yeah, there is this massive distrust brewing, uh, and it's not through any one entity or person or organization's fault. Yeah. but that is my general sense. Uh, and along what you had said, it there may come a time where there is a, a stronger appetite for a full-time high-level CMO role. And it's like, well, where were you when I needed you? 
Yeah. And so now here are my terms and here's how I'm going to work. And it'll be to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, the CMO role continues to be one of the absolute hardest roles in the C-suite, hands down, which is why the tenure continues to be shorter and shorter. Yep. Um, when it comes to sort of prepping for your next role, you mentioned things that you had done personally. Mm-hmm. I have seen through various social media outlets talking, you know, those who have been looking to get jobs and that it's even the interview process is becoming tougher and they're, they're a bit stuck on like, I don't know how else to present myself or in a different way than I have been doing. Like I am stuck. Right. They're saying I don't have, you know, not strategic enough or you know, haven't shown enough of a you know, go to market effectiveness or whatever the case is. Like, I, they're like, I've done all the things. I don't know how else to position myself. Um, it's like building a, building a, I don't know, an online portfolio, still a thing. Like what else can marketers in transition be doing as they are looking for that next role to help show themselves in like this more strategic lens? Two things come to mind for me. One is community and networking. <laughs> That's always, always, always very important. That's one thing I learned here coming to the U.S., that you can you can be the most brilliant marketer or professional whatever you do if you don't have a network you don't know people that's not going to take you very far in all honesty the other part of it is as as we talked we touched on is building a personal brand you know typically if you take it from a cmo perspective that is part and parcel of your role from a company perspective right um especially for for me um, being an ad tech, martech, and with the target audience that I've, that I, audiences that I've had, it's been about being able to form those networks, those relationships, and really understand and articulate and be that, that public voice because of, of the role I hold in, in the company. But I think it equally is important to be able to like, you're not always going to be with that company. So I've, I've always been quite protective of my personal brand. It's something that kind of um, was highlighted to me when I worked at PwC in Australia. So, you know, if you think about that scenario, you you can be a consultant. So they have different tiers, but you can be a consultant and there's like, I don't know, 100, 200 other consultants at the same level. So how do they differentiate themselves, right? Because you have to be able to align to different people. You have to be able to, to know your skills so that you can, get in, you can get pulled into proposals, you can get pulled into engagement. And personal brand is one of the things that was really highlighted to me as being really important. And what, you know, so what do you stand for? What do you do? What do you know? So really having that understanding. And that's something that I, I kind of took away and I've always been mindful of. So whatever marketing leadership role I've had, I've like I will always tune back in to to where it sits for me. I don't just go and push out all of the content. Not that I don't support the company or the team that I work with. I do. And but at the same time, I check it against what works for me. And I've always made that delineation, especially when it comes to social media, very clear. The other part of that is as well, like having that subject matter expertise is a big part of your brand, (laughs) you know, so having something to say, having a point of view, having an understanding of whether it's trends or whether it's 
don't know, artificial intelligence at the moment, which is all over the place. For me, I really, the things that resound for me are leadership and team building. I, I, I really enjoy talking about that. I enjoy looking at it. It's something that fulfills me in my role. I have been leaning, especially more in my personal branding and my personal, uh, I don't know, subject matter expertise more into that. And I, I think being comfortable and not forcing that is, is something that is really important. A lot of, you know, CMOs spend or, you know, SVPs in marketing spend their entire career, as you mentioned, promoting their thought leaders within their organization, brand, tone, voice, all the things, elevating the other spokespeople. And you are, you are not the norm in that most people aren't in, in your role, aren't promoting themselves um, as thought leaders. And that's, I mean, when you came to us and said, hey, even though we're not working with Influ2, would you help me more on the personal project side of the house? And, you know, of course, we wanted to continue our relationship with you. But one of the reasons that that excited us is because you do have a point of view and you have things to say. And so I want to highlight that because it's one thing to want to do it. But you really first before you would invest in whether it's your time and you're doing it yourself or with um, you know, an organization like us is you really have to have an understanding of what is your narrative. Yeah. What are you going to stand on? And what are the, you know, two or maybe three things you are passionate about that you can speak authentically about uh, that you're going to proactively chase? Because if you don't know those those two or three things, then it really isn't worth the time and or investment because yeah. then you're you're just making more noise. So we knew having worked with you before, I mean, we we knew that you already had a, a personal brand built, but that we also had a lot to say. And you have a lot more to say now that you are on your own and currently on the bench. It's like, wow, she is really out of her shell. Love it. <laughs> I wanted to uh, just make that, you know, asterisk. Thank you for that. Is there uh, anything else that we haven't talked about that you wanted to make sure and tackle in this conversation? Um, no, I think one thing I will say with, with personal brand that I have kind of, you know, it does, you don't have to be at this level to start. Um, and I see a lot of up and coming marketers really be having a voice leaning in, sharing and, 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 adv and advocating for themselves. And I like, that's where I really, I love, I love seeing that. And I think a lot more people would benefit from being able to do that. It does take work and it does take, um, stopping and, and ma making that investment in yourself. But I think being able to do that is, is really important. It's funny when I, I had reached out to a mutual contact of ours to um, Chris Chris Bally from Studio Science, um, and hey, you know, Chris. I, yeah, and I yeah he, he gave me some credit, but he was like, um, you know, you, you need to you he, he said to me, you need to be more visible. You need to I, I need to that's what I would be looking for, and it's true. That's 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 what companies are are going to be looking for when moving into that world. And it also helps from a retention perspective because coming, sometimes coming from the outside in, unfortunately, is the best way <laughs> to be able to build your, to build your internal personal brand. 
as well and your your value within an organization so i you know i'd sort of think about those about that and make sure that whatever level you're at you're you're making that time to to do that from that perspective that's the only thing i'd add that's great advice thank you well this has been awesome narosha uh, as i close every episode i ask all of my guests if they have a favorite or signature toast to send us out signature toast oh um life is short life is short do what you love i will drink to that life is short cheers (laughs) thanks again to narosha for joining me for a drink i always love speaking with her i hope you all learned a few things if you aren't currently in transition i know you have friends who are so my suggestion to you would be to reach out to them with some of the ideas and the knowledge that narosha shared to help them along their journey. Really appreciate you tuning in and until next time, bottoms up.